Hey, thank you so much again for joining us. Um, you might be wondering, you know, why the golf club, right? Well, it's because I got a story for you. See, uh, this week I had a golf lesson. Yeah, no kidding. And you might say, well, why are you doing that? Listen, either, either I'm going to make this game fun by getting better at it, or I'm just going to use these to beat people. I mean, one or the other, I, if I got to get better, okay, I'll do whatever it takes. So I'm out for this lesson and um, the instructor, he throws down some balls and I, I grab my club and I go up and he's like, oh, 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 well, hold up. You can't, don't be, you don't just walk up and hit the ball. I'm like, well, isn't that the point? And he's like, no. He goes, Do you got, there's an order to this, he said. You know, first things first. And he says, we got to look at your stance and we got to look at how you grip the club and, and how, you, how, you, how you hang your arms and bending in the knees and all blah, 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 all this stuff. So we're going through all these things and I get it, okay? But there comes a point where um, I'm ready to hit the ball. So we go through the grip and we go through the stand, we go through all that and he says, okay, go ahead and address the ball. So I'm like, all right, it's go time. So I get up and I'm addressing the ball and uh, I'm getting ready to launch it. And he goes, wait, 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 don't hit it yet. I'm like, what in the heck? Why, what are we doing? Okay, what am I paying you for? So um, he, uh, he says, let me get behind you and make sure that your, your, your aim is right. And I said, come on, are you kidding me? Seriously. So I'm set up and he's behind me looking. And he goes, what are you aiming at? I said, I'm aiming at the green. I, I, like, if you don't know this, I'm not sure you, <laughs> you should be my instructor, but uh, I'm aiming at the green. He says, uh, he said, you're, you're aiming at the swamp. I said, what? You mean the swamp? I'm not, I'm aiming at the green. So he lays the club down like this and lays it flat. And, uh, and, and he says, step back here. And I step back and, and I'm looking at where the club is angled and where, it, where it's um, aiming. And sure enough, the green is here. And I am like pointed over there at the swamp. And I thought to myself, okay, now I'm starting to understand why I hit so many balls in the swamp. I mean, I just, this guy's just, he already earned his money. I couldn't believe it. So he is, so he is giving me this lesson and I'm thinking to myself, he did all these steps before I ever actually hit the ball. And he kept saying to me, there's an order to this, okay? And first things first. And I thought to myself, this is crazy because the message that we have for you today, it's all about the order of things. And it's actually called the principle of first. And here's the key. So many people, I think, and this was me, it, it, we are like that. We want to, okay, I'm ready to get after it. I'm going to seize the day. I'm going to make a difference up for me and my family. And I'm going to live my purpose. And we grab our club and we're ready to get up and we swing at the ball. And then we can't understand why we're hitting it in the swamp or in the weeds or wherever. And it, and it, and it, so frustrating because we're like, why can't we just get up and swing and hit the ball? You know, why we can't do that. What I learned this week, there's an order to things. Like he, he made the statement to me. He said, if you just get up and do what you were going to do, look where it was going to go, right? If you don't address these things first, you'll always be frustrated with the outcome. You'll never get ahead. You'll never be happy. You'll never be on the green. So it was nuts. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, God is speaking through this guy who I just met. So, and God wants to speak to you today. See, God has something for you. And today, well, I'm team teaching. I'm team teaching with a pastor named Robert Morris. He's a pastor um, in the Dallas area. And I was first introduced to Pastor Robert years ago. And, and I heard him give a message. And this message called the principle of first, it radically changed my life. I mean, I'm telling you, it's one of the top messages that I've ever heard that I was able to implement, and I saw God's hand in it from the very beginning. 
This message is for anybody who feels like you're always in the swamp, you're always in the weeds, you're always in the, you're never, you're, you feel like you're aiming at the right thing, but you're never hitting it. Two steps forward or one step forward, two steps back. If that's you, this message is for you. I am so excited for this word to go forth. It needs to go forth. If we're followers of Jesus, the principle of first has to be a principle in our lives. So without further ado, I want to introduce you to Pastor Robert Morris. I want to ask you to turn your Bibles to Exodus chapter 13. Exodus 13. Uh, and I say turn in your Bible, but let me bring it up to modern day too. I could say click to Exodus 13. If you read your Bible on device, that's fine as long as you read your Bible. Uh, the first, this message that I want to bring you is called the principle of first. This is probably the most important principle in the Christian walk that God's ever shown me. Because when God's first, everything in your life will come into order. Everything. But when God's not first, everything's out of order. And I'm not saying you don't have any more problems. I'm just simply saying that everything comes in order when God's first, and everything is out of order when God's not first. So let me show you this scripture, and then we'll talk about it some. Exodus chapter 13, look at verse 1. It says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both a man and beast, it is mine. Now, those are very emphatic words uh, in the Hebrew language. It is mine. It belongs to me. The firstborn belongs to me. I'm going to show you in this message a few other things that belong to to God. And it's very important to understand that. Then look down at verse 12, Exodus 13, verse 12. You shall set apart to the Lord all that open the womb. That is every firstborn that comes from an animal which you have, the males shall be the Lord's. But every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. And if you will not redeem it, then you shall break its neck. I just, I just want you to notice you'll lose it anyway. If it doesn't go to God, you're going to lose it anyway. And all the firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. Now, let me tell you what we just read, and I have three points. If you're taking notes, I'd like you to write these down. If you're not taking notes, uh, write these down, all right? Number one, the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. That's what we just read. And I'll, I, we're going to explain it and talk about it, but the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. Okay. Here's what he's saying, and he uses uh, animals that are uh, uh, examples of clean and unclean animals. He uses a donkey and a lamb. They're representative of an unclean animal, the donkey, and clean animal, the lamb. Here's what he says. If, if your firstborn is a clean animal, you have to sacrifice it. If, you're, if you have a clean animal that has a firstborn, it must be sacrificed. If it's an unclean animal, it must be redeemed with the sacrifice of a clean. Now, I want to say that one more time because I know we think, man, this was written 4,000 years ago. What does this have to do with me? But everything in this book relates to Jesus Christ. Everything in this book will point to Jesus. So here's what he says again. If your firstborn is from a clean animal, it must be sacrificed. If it's from an unclean animal, it has to be redeemed with the sacrifice of a clean Okay, what does that mean? Here's what I think that means. To us today, I want you to think about this. 
were you and I, and you can answer me out loud all the campuses, were you and I born clean or unclean? Unclean. We were born in sin, right? We were born unclean. Okay. Was Jesus born unclean or clean? Clean. Clean. Listen, the clean had to be sacrificed so the unclean could be redeemed. That's what we just read. Okay, this is why this is, is, is um, in some ways, it, it hurts my heart when people speak negatively about tithing. Because I'm going to say something to you that maybe you've never thought of. Jesus is God's tithe. See, we give the tithe first. Before we know what's coming. He said, you give me the first one. He didn't say, wait until your sheep has 10 and then give me one of them, the one you don't like, the one that gets in your garden. He didn't say that. He said, give me the first one before you have nine more. Give me the first one and the rest are redeemed. The rest are blessed. That's what tithing is. We, we give the tithe first before we pay the bills and the rest is blessed. That is actually what brings the blessing on our life. It's that we give it in faith. You don't pay all your bills and then tithe because that's not faith. You give the first one. Okay, this is the reason I say that Jesus is God's tithe because God didn't wait to see if we would clean up to give Jesus. God gave Jesus while we were yet sinners. He demonstrated his love toward us. God gave Jesus, and this is the way Romans actually says it, in hope, and it's actually the same word that we translate faith, in faith that we would believe that we would receive him. So Jesus is God's tithe. And when we do this, this is what we're talking about, the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. And here's what he says, and if you don't do this, you have to break its neck. You're going to lose it anyway. What so many people don't realize is if they don't tithe, it's still going out of your account. You're going to lose it anyway because it belongs to the Lord. So the first portion is the redemptive portion. The first portion redeems the rest. So the, first portion, the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. Okay, here's point two. The first fruits must be offered. The first fruit must be offered. Let me just read you. Just stay there in Exodus 13, but let me read you a couple of scriptures. Proverbs 3, verses 9 and 10 says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Exodus 23, 19, the first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. I, I just want to read that again. The first of the first fruits of your land, it always has to be first, you shall bring, I want you to notice the word bring, and where do you bring them? Into the house of the Lord your God. The tithe comes into the house of God. It's the first 10%. It doesn't go to a missionary. It doesn't go to a ministry, a Christian ministry, even though I believe in giving to those, those uh, Christian ministries, missionaries, all that. But the tithe, the first 10%, comes in the house of the Lord. And you don't designate your tithe. You don't say, I want 5% here and 3% here and 2%. The reason you can't designate it is because it's not yours. It doesn't belong to you. You're returning it to the Lord. Now, I want you to notice the word bring. God never uses the word give when he talks about tithing, he always uses the word bring because you can't give what doesn't belong to you. You can only bring it into the house of the Lord. And you can bring it or you can steal it. When you study scripture about the tithe, you have two choices. And tithing is all through the Bible. 
It is a principle that's all through the Bible. Yes, it was under the law, but it was way before the law. Actually, some say 400 years. They go back to Abraham and Jacob. It was 2,500 years before the law, and I'll show that to you in just a moment. And it goes all the way through. In the New Testament, Jesus himself said, this is in red, Matthew 23, 23, you ought to tithe. You ought to tithe. Well, that's enough for me. If the one that saved me in a motel room says you ought to tithe, then you ought to tithe. So it's all through Scripture. And we bring the house. So we bring it into the house of the Lord. Again, you have two choices with the tithe. You either bring it to the house of the Lord, or if you keep it in your account, you steal it. Now, now I know this is the first time I've ever spoken here. Please don't get offended at me because those are not my words. Those are God's words. He's the one that says, you're robbing me. And in Joshua 7, they have stolen from me. They've taken what is consecrated to the house of the Lord. They stole it. When um, my daughter was dating uh, Ethan, the man she married, uh, they were standing around talking in a group uh, after a young adult service at our church, and they were talking about how um, uh, difficult it might be to date my daughter, you know, the pastor's daughter. And uh, one of them kind of jokingly said to my daughter, you know, your dad is so strong on the tithe he probably checks the tithing records of the guys that want to date you. And my daughter said, he does. And I did. Let me ask you a very simple question, though. Why would I give my daughter to a thief? Or I could take it, just lighten it up a little bit for you, but why would I give my daughter to a man that can't even handle money? I mean, if he can't handle money, he definitely can't handle my daughter because she is a handful. <laughs> so. so it's all through Scripture. Remember when they went into the promised land, you remember what, what, what the Lord told them to do? Bring all of the first fruits into the house of the Lord. Bring all, here's the way he said it, bring all of the silver and gold from Jericho into the house of the Lord. Now, why would he say bring all instead of 10% in this instance? Because Jericho was the first city. Here's what he's saying. You give me the first one, the rest are blessed. The rest are redeemed. And when they kept some of it, they lost the next one until they returned it to the Lord. See, we don't give, we return the tithe to the Lord. Uh, when I was in college, one of the students asked, why did God accept Abel's offering and he didn't accept Cain's offering? And the professor, uh, I'm very proud of him now when I think back, he said, you know, I really don't know. But when you understand the principle of the firstborn and first fruits, it's easy. Let me read it to you and watch how easy it is to understand why God accepted Abel's and he didn't accept Cain's offering. Genesis 4, 3 through 5 says, and in the process of time, now those words are very, very important. In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Notice it does not say first fruit. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect or receive Cain and his offering. You see it? It's simple. Abel, who's a rancher, brings the firstborn. Cain, who's a farmer, does not bring first fruits. In the process of time, he brought an offering to the Lord. Let me say that another way. He gave what he wanted when he wanted. And God said, I'm not accepting that. And I'll tell you why God didn't do it. Uh, it's not just that God didn't do it. It's that God couldn't do it. Uh, there are some things God can't do. 
He can never act outside of his character. He can't. Uh, let me give you some examples. Uh, God can't change. This is called the immutability of God. He can't change. The reason he can't change is because if he could change, he could get better. And he can't get better because he's perfect. So he can never change. Another thing God can't do, this will kind of shock you, he can't think the way we think. Let me clarify that. God can't think the way we think. You want to know why? Because we think to figure things out. God's not trying to figure anything out. He doesn't think the way we think. Uh, let me say it another way. Nothing has ever occurred to God. God has never said, you know what I just thought of? I just thought of something I never thought of before. He's never said that. This is called the omniscience of God from the, the words omni and science, all knowledge. God has all knowledge. And he, here's another thing, if it'll blow your mind. He knows everything at the same time, at the same time. So there are some things he can't do. And, you know, when I, even a moment ago when I said God can't think the way we think, you might have even remembered a scripture and thought, oh, wait a minute, I know a scripture. That scripture actually proves it. Here's what God says. My thoughts are not your thoughts. I don't think like you think. As the heavens are higher than the earth, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So let me tell you one other thing God can't do. He can never be second. Never. This is called the preeminence of God. God is higher than all, before all, first of all, above all. Now, I will say this. He might be second in your life, but that doesn't mean he's second. <laughs> he's never second. He's first. So what that means is he can't accept an offering that's not first because he's first. He won't do it. He said it all through Scripture. He says it several times. You bring me the lame and the blind and the crippled, I'm not going to accept that. I'll accept the firstborn and first fruits. Okay, and here's the third thing. The tithe must be first. The tithe must be first. Why? Because it belongs to the Lord. Firstborn belongs to God. First fruits belong to God. The tithe belongs to God. Leviticus 27.30 says, And all the tithe of the land, all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord. This is very similar in the Hebrew language. Belongs to the Lord. Same phrase. It is holy, set apart to the Lord. It belongs to God. So let me give you an example. Uh, let's say that you own a, a, a landscape company. And... Um, I, I say, hey, I'd like some trees and some plants and some bushes, you know, at my house. And, and uh, so you come over and you say, okay, this is how much my uh, materials will be. This is how much my labor will be. These are all my expenses. My profit will be $1,000. Okay, that's what my profit will be, $1,000. And so um, you say, is that agreeable? And I say, yes, that's agreeable. So you come and you do the job and then you bring me the bill. You say, okay, here's my labor. Here's my... Uh, uh, materials, here are all my expenses, and then here's my total bill. And so I pay all of that, and then I decide to pay you your profit in cash. And so I give you 10 $100 bills, all right? $1,000, 10 $100 bills. So you have 10 $100 bills in your hand. Now, let me, let me say something for just a moment, all right? I know this is a math illustration, and half of you like this illustration, <laughs> and half of you don't. I understand that, okay? It won't last long, I promise you. Um, math is, is, is easy for me. My father is a, a mathematical genius. He, he literally is. And um, I'm not a genius, but numbers add up in my mind without me trying to get them to. 
They just add up. We were in a business meeting one time. We were talking about this much for this and this much for AVL and this much for construction, this much for architect and all. And then when someone said, how much is that? I said, that's $72,800,000 because it just happens. I don't try to get it to. It just happens. Uh, Debbie and I were buying something a while back. It was $7.99. And uh, she said, I'll have to figure the tax on the calculator because the cash register is broken. And I said, it's 66 cents. And she looked at me for a moment, and then she did this, and then she said, it's 66 cents. And I thought, yeah, I know, but I didn't say it. I just said, okay. So we get out in the car, and Debbie said to me, how do you do that? And I, I thought she was actually asking me, you know, how do you do that? I thought she, I thought she wanted to know. So I, I explained it to her. I said, well, the tax rate's 8.25, 799 is close to 8. 8 times 8 is 64. A quarter of 8 is 2. 64 plus 2 is 66. I said, that should happen, sugar, in less than a second in your mind. She said, it doesn't. She said, but I do know what 25% off means. So I thought she was talking math, you know, just I'm clueless, you know. So I said to her, okay, well, how, if you're buying something for $100 and it's 25% off, what does that mean? She said, it means it's a good deal. <laughs> and then, she, then she said, and if it's 50% off, it's free. I said, what? Where, where did you get that? She said, 50% off is the same as buy one, get one free. So it's free. And if it's 75% off, you're making money. <laughs> Which explains some difficulties we've had in our checkbook over the years, but... Anyway, so math is easy for me, okay? So if you, if you don't like math, just stay with me. It's a very easy illustration, okay? You have 10 $100 bills in your hand, and a tithe is 10%, okay? So two questions. First question, how much is the tithe? You have $1,000, how much is the tithe? $100. It's one of the 10, right? Okay, here's the second question. Which one is it? Yeah, you're saying that because you're listening to this message, and that's great, but... How do you know which one's the first? Okay, let me tell you how you know. It's the first one to leave your hand. That's the first one. Because if you go home and say, I'm going to set aside some for the house, some for the car, some for groceries, and God hears your part. No, that's not God's part. You gave the first part to the mortgage company. And the mortgage company does not have the power to bless your finances. Hear this, this, let me set aside this, and God hears your part. Here's the leftover. And sometimes we do this and this and this. We say, oh, God, there's not enough left over for you. Well, I don't mean to burst your bubble, but he wouldn't receive it anyway. Our God does not receive leftovers. He receives the first and the best that we have. And here's what we do. When we say, God, here's your part, a supernatural blessing comes on our finances. And the nine go farther with God's blessing than the ten without God's blessing. Here's what God said. Bring the tithes. He again, he used the word bring in the storehouse. And see if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing on you, there will not be room enough to receive it. And then he says, and, and, it's kind of like if you call right now, <laughs> <laughs> and I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. He doesn't even say for the kingdom's sake. He says for your sake. Can you imagine God rebuking the devil for you? That's spiritual warfare. And that's pretty good. See, I, I, I've actually told our whole church, I've told our whole church on many occasions, you tithe for one year, and if you are not fully satisfied at the end of that year, 
I will give you your money back. I've told our whole church that. Here's, it's first. It's first. Now, I want to tell you something. I'm not legalistic about this. I'm not legalistic. God is not legalistic. He is not a legalistic God. He gave the law for two reasons. Two reasons. One, to show the moral standards of God. If you want to know not to covet, that's what Paul says, then the only way you know that is to read the law. But the main reason he gave the law, this is what also Paul says, is to frustrate us to bring us to Christ. If you don't think the law is frustrating, read Leviticus. (laughs) There's a whole chapter on what to do if you get a scab. Here's what God wanted. He wanted us to come and say, I can't do this. Here's what he says. That's great. My son already did it. It's great. So God is not a legalistic God. So uh, here's what I do, and I want you to understand I'm not legalistic about it. But I started this years ago. Well, I get paid uh, on the 15th and the 30th. Now, years ago, I started doing it with a check because now I do banking online. But right now, on the 15th and the 30th, when I get paid, while I'm having my quiet time that morning, I go online and I send the tithe to the church. You mean it's it's the first that leaves my account every every month, twice a month. Uh, used to again when I'd write checks, I would write the tithe check, settle over to the side, and then pay the rest of the bills. But I always did that first because Scripture talks about that we give it first. We bring it to the house of God first. Okay. Now I'm not legalistic about it. What happens if on the 15th or 30th uh, I have an early morning meeting? I don't have my quiet time that morning. I rush out. I get meetings all day. I come home. I think, oh, 15th, got paid. So I go in to do it, and I notice that Debbie went to the grocery store that day. Okay, I don't say, oh, that's great, sugar. We're cursed. (laughs) For the next two weeks now, because you went to the grocery store, we're cursed. Okay, I'm not legalistic about it. And listen, God's not legalistic either. It's in your heart. Because I've had people say, Pastor, I've been tithing for years, but I didn't know to do it first. That's okay. God knows your heart, but now you know. <laughs> and to him who knows to do good and does it not, it is sin. Um, it's very important for us to understand this. Now, go back to Exodus 13, and we're gonna, we, we ended with verse 13 a moment ago. We're going to read verses 14 and 15. So it shall be when your son asks you in time to come, saying, what is this? In other words, why are you killing the firstborn? You remember that? We talked about that. We started there. That you shall say to him, by strength of hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And it came to pass when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go, that the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord all males that open the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. Okay. Here's what he says. He said, one day your son's going to get old enough to ask you why you're doing this. And when he does, here's what I want you to tell him. I, I, think about this too. Think, I, I, I've thought about it in my mind how it might happen. The son, he's real young. He comes running into the house. He says, daddy, daddy, the, the, the sheep is having a lamb and it's, it's her first one. And so the, they all get up and they run out to the barn but the dad grabs a butcher knife on the way. They get out to the barn. The whole family's standing around. They go, oh, it's the miracle of life. Oh, and it's precious. Oh, look, he's standing up. He's standing up. And then the dad walks over, grabs the lamb by the back feet, picks it up, cuts its throat. And the, the little boy's watching this. So you know what he's thinking, don't you? He's thinking, don't mess with that. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know what that lamb did. <laughs> 
but I'm never going to do that. But then the son gets older, and then one day the dad comes in from the field. The son is sitting there. He's got some books out in front of him, and he says, Dad, um, sit down, Dad. Sit down just a minute. Uh, Dad, I've, um, I've been going over the books for last year, and, um, you know, Dad, you, you might not even know you do this. You know, we all have blind spots, you know. Uh, but, um, well, um, every time that one of our animals uh, has a, a firstborn, um, how shall I say this? You uh, kill it. And, um, Dad, you, you killed 73 animals last year. And, uh, Dad, we're, we're in the ranching business. Uh, and uh, this is cutting into our profits. And he said, when your son asks you in time to come why you do this, you tell him, son, um, there's something about our family that, that you don't know. We weren't always in the ranching business. We didn't have animals. We didn't have land. Son, we used to be slaves. We were in bondage. But God, with a mighty hand, delivered us. Therefore, we gladly give to God the firstborn. Okay. 4,000 years ago, this was written. It happened to me. I'm paying the tithe. Doing it, I, I'm paying my bills, I should say, and I write the tithe check out, settle over to the side, and I'm paying the bills. And my son comes in, and he's old enough now to read and write and, you know, get numbers, and he has a, a real mathematical mind like I do. He comes in, and he sees this check, and he sees how large it is. Think about how large that would be to a little boy. And he said, Dad, why are you giving so much money to the church? And I remember the scripture. And I actually took him and I set him on my lap. And I said, son, um, I need to tell you something about your daddy that you don't know. Your daddy wasn't always a Christian. And your daddy used to be a very, very bad man. Your daddy was in bondage. But God, with a mighty hand, delivered your daddy. Therefore, I gladly give to God the first of all of our income. I gladly do this, son, because I had nothing. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. And I want you to just take a moment and just ask the Lord, Lord, what are you saying to me? Every person. Just take a moment and just ask the Lord, Lord, what are you saying to me? And I know that this is a struggle for many people. Many people say, Pastor, I I can't afford to tithe. I wish I could, but I can't afford to tithe. I just want to say something to you very lovingly. You will never be able to afford to tithe until you tithe. Because tithing is what removes the curse. God's not cursing you. We live in a cursed world. And when we tithe, we bring our finances out from under the curse. Our finances are redeemed. So I want to encourage you. 
do whatever it takes to return to God what belongs to him and watch what God does. Amen. I hope you're already seeing why this message is so impactful. I mean, it, it was to me and it still is. I, I, I was sharing with somebody, I honestly don't believe our family would have moved to the Omaha area. I don't believe we would have ever planted Meadows Church if it wasn't for this message being part of that. Uh, the principle of first is a powerful, powerful thing. And this is what I want to do for you. See, I, I don't want to be a church that just preaches at you and you're like, oh my gosh, this sounds good and I want to do that in my life, but I don't know how. Um, I, I, I wanna, we want to preach to you, but then we want to walk alongside you. So this is what I want to offer you. I want to offer you what was offered to me. Uh, a, a plan that was put in place to help me put the principle of first in my life and in my family and watch what God does. So uh, we offer uh, Financial Peace University. And, and make no mistake, this message and what I'm talking about is way bigger than money. I mean, money is a big piece because that's a big piece of our lives. So why Jesus would talk about it more than anything else. But it is so much bigger than that. But Financial Peace, and some of you have heard of it because it's a, it's a world-renowned organization and curriculum for good reason. It's biblically based and lives are being dramatically changed because of it. So we offer that to you. Financial Peace University, it's nine weeks, once a week for nine weeks, less than an hour a week. And we do it virtually now. So you can do it, it's a, a, a Zoom, because we love those. It's Zoom, so you can do it in your underwear. You know, some of you, you're watching this in your underwear, so you fit right in. So I'm just saying, we wanna make it convenient for you. We wanna bring it to you. But I'm telling you, these principles, this nine weeks, if your life isn't dramatically changed after week one, you tell me, and I mean, I'll, I'll be amazed. I've never heard that. I've never heard that. All I've ever heard is, oh my gosh, I cannot believe what God is doing in this and through this. Of course, it's God's word going forth in that curriculum. So in the middle of September, in a few weeks, we're gonna start the class. And this is what I want for you. If you're interested, if you feel the Holy Spirit prompting you, and you know that you want, you want to do whatever it takes to put God first in your life, you just just put in the comments financial peace type in comments right now at financial peace we will reach out to you give you more specifics on the date um what day of the week we're thinking september 14th monday nights you know seven o'clock but we're still drilling that down but we will contact you give you the details get you signed up um so you can put it in comments right now or email us hello at meadows.church hello at meadows.church put financial peace in the subject line a quick note we'll get back to you right away but this is it not just going to preach at you want to walk with you i've done financial peace my wife has done it our family it has changed our life and I, I desperately want that for you. And if you're honest, you want it too. So don't, don't, don't hesitate on this. Put it in comments, financial peace. Text uh, financial peace to hello at meadows.church. We want to walk with you because God wants to do something in you and through you. This is why Jesus would come so that you might have life and have it to the full. But the reason most people aren't living life to the full, well, God's not first. Like we put a bunch of other things first and we think we're aiming at the target, we're aiming at the green, but we're actually heading towards the swamp. And God says, I, I, I came that you might have life and have it to the full. This is what this is all about. So this is my prayer. And, and let me just say this, why Jesus came is, is to set you free and help you live the life that he purposed and planned and help you reach others to do the same. This is why he came. And some of you, you're watching this message and maybe you've never surrendered to that, to the good news of Jesus Christ, that Jesus came, died on a cross, rose from the dead, the greatest miracle in history, rose from the dead to set you free. 
And some of you, that's why you're tuned in. And some of you, that's why you're watching because God is, is literally speaking to you and telling you, will you surrender everything? Because until you surrender everything to Jesus and call on his name, the Bible says anyone who calls on the name of the Lord, Jesus will be saved. And until that happens, you can never put God first. So that, that has to be the case. So I wanna, I wanna just invite any of you that you're ready to say, God, I want you first in my life. God, I believe in your son, Jesus Christ. I believe he died on a cross. I believe he rose from the dead. And I believe that when I call on his name, ask him to forgive me, he forgives me, he wipes the slate clean, and he sets me free. And, and then his spirit lives in me. That's what he wants to do. If you want that, what I just shared, that good news, this is for you. You just type, I choose Jesus. I choose Jesus. Type it in comments. Text it. Text those words, I choose Jesus, to 474747. This is the very first step in the principle of first of saying, God, you sent your son. I want him. I, it's hopeless without him. But with Christ in you, all things are possible. Jesus wants to do something in you and through you. He doesn't want anything from, from you. He has something for you. Text, I choose Jesus to 474747 or put it in the comments right now and we will celebrate you. We celebrate with you. We will walk with you. We will love you. And we will, we will always point you to a brighter future because there are the, the, the best is truly yet to come. We believe it and we'll never stop declaring it. I love you so much. I'll never stop giving you the good news of Jesus Christ. I will never stop pointing you to hope and light and life and uh, into a brighter future because that's what God has for you. He wants something for you today. So I know Pastor Robert's already prayed, but let me pray for you. God, thank you so much. I pray that, oh, I, I know your word has gone forth. I don't need to pray about that. Now I pray that the people that are hearing it and watching it, that they will take a step. They will take a step, and that first step would be, obviously, to surrender their life to Jesus Christ and ask him to come into their life and make them new. I pray that is happening even as I pray this prayer. God, for others, uh, it's, it's Financial Peace University. It's putting the Father first in every area of our life and watching what he does in our life. Father, I pray that they will take this step and, and do what only, and then allow you to do what only you can do in them. I love you. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name I pray, and we all say, Amen. Hey, I want to thank you so much for watching today. Man, this message is crazy, isn't it? I mean, it has radically changed my life, and I hope that the Holy Spirit is moving in you right now. And if he is, and if you feel that, I pray that you're going to act on this. Not only act on it by taking the step we just talked about, but also share this message. Man, there's so many people that don't know why their life is in such disorder and why they can never seem to get where they believe God wants them to go. We need to, we need to show them what God's word says. So sh please share this message online with a friend that needs to hear it or friends that need to hear it. And, and, and also, I'm going to ask you to just follow us, um, not because we want anything from you, but because we want to, we want to pour into you. We have something for you. We want to give you um, encouragement and love and God's word all throughout the week. So on Instagram and Facebook or, or subscribe on YouTube if you haven't already. But God has so much for you. And we are so excited to guide you and help you live out your God-given purpose. God bless you.